Good morning, church. As we begin today, I want to remind you, if you've not been here before, that this year we've been talking about being strong and courageous. And I know that verse is so easy to rattle off. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I know that we understand that intellectually, but sometimes, sometimes we need to be reminded here. Sometimes our hearts need to be encouraged. The word encourage means really to literally give courage. So this morning I'm here to talk to you and to give you courage. We have been in this series called The Struggle. We started just last week talking about the struggle of doubt. Now, these struggles that we're talking about are not just struggles that all human beings face. I know that non-believers certainly face doubt from time to time. But we're looking at the struggles that we have through the lens of being a Christ follower. And so we're not going to delve into every possible struggle that you have. What we're looking at are the the foundational struggles that, that... can really eat away at the foundation of our faith. Last week, we, as we said, we talked about doubt. Today, we're talking about facing fear. It was several years ago. I was driving past the Town West Mall, um, which is not my favorite place to go. Uh, It's not one of the places that I frequent. I'm in there very rarely. And the times when I'm in there, I'm counting the minutes till I get out. Well, this was a stage, for some reason, uh, Tyler would go with my wife, Christy, and meet her mom there at the, the food court there in the Town West Mall. And so he was frequenting, frequenting the Town West Mall on a fairly regular basis, liked to go to the merry-go-round. They have little kitty games and, and lots of stuff that he loved to do. So nearly every time as we drove past Town West Mall on 235, five, six-year-old Tyler would ask, Dad... Can we go to the mall? And I would say, no, son, because we love Jesus. We don't need to be there. And some of you go to the mall, you don't like that joke. But one day we drove by and he asked again, persistently, Dad, can we please go to the mall? And I said, no, son, we're just not going to go. And I hear him just kind of from the back seat. And he thinks it over for a minute or two and he says, Dad, you are just going to have to face your fears. (laughs) I know I've told that story before, but just the one I think of when we talk about facing our fears, there's so many things in life. When you're little, the fears are so big and they're they're as scary as the closet that's closed or the, the light that's not on. Or the height that's too high. But when you're big, the fears take on a different form. They're things that you face every day and you drive by them, you walk by them, you see them. And yet as an adult, you don't get scared. You just walk away. You walk on by. You you ignore it. You pretend like it's not there. And people of faith will do well and they will grow in their maturity in Christ if they will learn to face their fears. So as we're going to talk about this morning, about the importance of facing your fear. I, I know you're afraid. I know that you are. I know that every single day it's a battle. That you have pain that no one understands. And sometimes just getting out of bed 
is a fearful thing. I know you're afraid. I know that you've got a marriage that's hanging on by a thread. And you don't know if you have it within you. And you are so afraid that what you've invested yourself into may not last. And you don't know if you can do it. And you're afraid. I know you're afraid because... Because the the reports from the doctor don't get any better. The answers don't come. The medicines don't work. The treatments don't do anything. And the situation gets worse and worse and you are afraid. I know that you are afraid because you've got that family member. And you know they don't know Jesus. You know they're not ready to step into eternity. And you know you need to share the gospel with them. You know you need to lead them to Jesus. But you are so afraid. Fear will paralyze you. It will keep you from what God needs you to do. And you've got to face it. You've got to look it in the eye and say, you don't scare me. Because God's on my side. Now, if you're a Bible turner, and I know many of you are, you want to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17, flip there, open your app there, whatever you want to do, but turn to 1 Samuel 17, because we're going to look at a story this morning that talks about, personifies fear. 1 Samuel 17, the danger here is that you have heard this story since you were this high, and you think it's about David Fighting a giant. It is not about that. Oh, it in the accurate sense, it's telling that story. But God put that story in there for a reason. And we, we skim over it. We know how the battle ends. Well, we just mentally skip past it. And I want to walk through it this morning and help us to think about facing our fear. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in verse 2. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another and the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. His height was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of armor, bronze, weighing 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 15 pounds. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood up and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are not you the servants of Saul? Am I not a Philistine? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, we will be, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. You see, Israelite, the Israelites were paralyzed by fear. 
And it's so important for us to remember that it is not Goliath coming down one time and saying, send me a man. He does this for 40 days. Morning after morning after morning, there was an Israelite army, soldiers in that army, that woke up every morning for 40 days, knowing that they would face the giant again. And knowing that they would face the same fear that they had faced the day before. And knowing that they were not courageous enough to step forward. Have you been there? Have you fought the fight? Have you been down to the valley? Have you heard the enemy cry out against you? Have you stood there in cowardly shame, unable, unwilling to stand up, stand out, speak out, speak up? You stood there, didn't you? You didn't move. You didn't say the thing you knew you needed to say. You didn't do the thing you knew you ought to do. Because why? For the very same reason that Israel stood shaking in their boots for 40 days. Because they were afraid. Because they were terrified of what the enemy might do to them. Their fears were focused on Goliath's size and his strength. And and if I'm honest, that's a pretty reasonable fear. Nine feet tall, wearing a coat of armor weighing maybe 125 pounds or more. You know, that's the equivalent of like a seventh grader, just wearing him around. He's just, his spear weighs 15 pounds, the head of his spear. When I throw 15 pounds, it goes like this, thunk. Goliath threw it, it sailed across the air toward its intended target every time. There is a reason Goliath is called the champion. Sometimes your fears are reasonable. That's the problem when we're so focused on being a people of reason. Sometimes the mind knows exactly what it's talking about. Those Israelites who stood there and did nothing stood there for a very logical, very reasonable reason. To go into that mission was suicide. They understood it. They were fighting men. Their fears were reasonable. But God's people have always faced a moment of testing, a crucible, a time when they're called to face someone greater than themselves, something greater than they are, something stronger, something bigger, something mightier than they are. Moses faced Pharaoh. Gideon faced the Midianites. The spies faced the giants in the land. Elijah faced Ahab. Daniel faced Nebuchadnezzar, and the disciples faced the storm and later on the cross. There are many times when people of faith are scared. And you need to know if you're scared, that's perfectly normal. But what's not okay is to stand there and not do anything. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this. The, the, the Peter writes this about our enemy. Now, not, I'm moving away from the human side, the physical side. I'm talking about closing your eyes and understanding that it's a spiritual battle. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Friday was a beautiful day. So we took the opportunity of that beautiful day, and we went to the zoo. And as Grace and Christy and I walked around, we went to one of our favorite exhibits, and maybe yours too. 
the lion exhibit. As we go in there, the lions were where they usually were, just kind of vegging out on Netflix or something, just laying there. But they're behind this thick, thick glass. On this particular day, there was a lion right up against the glass. And as I, as I watched Grace get down real close to it, I could tell that she was in awe of the power of the lion. And that lion wasn't even a fighter. He's been very domesticated. But he's a fighter. He's a lion. And were it not for that thick pane of glass protecting her, you can rest assured that no one would not only be at the lion exhibit, no one would be in the zoo. Because lions are meant to be fierce. They're meant to be, they're meant to be wild. They're meant to kill. And Peter says, your enemy is not anyone you see in this world. When you step into Christ in the waters of baptism, you gain an enemy. And he's gunning for you. And he's working behind the scenes to make you afraid. And if you face him by himself, by himself, you have every reason to. The lion is real. And if you've been, if you battled with the lion, you know he's mean. Our enemy is very real, and yet we should not be afraid. Fear focuses on the enemy. The fear focuses on his size, his strength, your inabilities, your lack of size, your lack of strength. That's what the enemy needs, the reason the enemy needs you to be afraid. Because he wants you to focus on his size, on his might. He wants you to hear him roar. And he wants you to be very, very afraid. And without Jesus, you well should be. Now, go back to the story. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 25 and following. Now, the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Now, you think about this. The king knew Goliath was a threat. And so he was willing to give him money... His daughter in marriage and free him up from taxes. Uh, To me, that sounds like a pretty good reward. And yet, day after day after day for 40 days, the Israelite army stood still. And they would not come to meet him. That should tell you about the reality of the size of the enemy. But verse 26 Oh, David. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is this? David says. Now, you've got to understand that the reality of the circumstances have not changed. It's just the focus has. See, first we started focusing on Goliath, on his size and his strength and the armor that he wore and how he defied the armors of Israel. Now, we picture that, but I need a visual this morning. I need a Goliath. Can I, can I get a Goliath this morning? I need a Goliath to stand up. And come over here and fight me. No, no, not Mark, not Mark. No, I'm just kidding. Come on, come on down. Yeah. (laughs) Believe me, I don't want to fight Mark. (laughs) 
I don't want to battle this guy. This is Mark Duquette. He is so, he's such a massive guy. Just stand right here next to me. Now see, I'm seven foot myself. (laughs) He can't even get the helmet to fit. We got you the best VBS armor we could find. (laughs) He's angry. He's fierce. He's mighty. And he defies the armies of the living God time and again. And the king says, listen, I'll give you money. I'll give you one of my daughters in marriage. Uh, You don't even have to pay taxes. I just need somebody to deal with this guy. And then comes our hero. Then comes our hero who is everything this guy is not. Then comes our hero. This would be a great time to have a David. I need a David. Someone who's everything that Goliath is not. You see, Goliath is strong. He's a trained warrior. He has, he's armored. He's mean. And here's David. I wish you could feel Garrett's heart right now. It is coming through his chest. And you know David was scared. You know David knew he couldn't do it. You know David knew the fight was impossible. But when he met Goliath, he just had five simple words for Goliath. And they were, You feel lucky, punk, do you? Do you feel lucky, punk? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Because he knew it wasn't about him. It was who was in him that mattered. It was who was in him that was going to cause the battle to be won. We must not forget, it is not the size of the man in the fight. It is the size of the fight in the man. And that's only going to come from God himself. How little boy David, just a shepherd untrained, not even wearing any armor, could go to Goliath as he did, had everything to do with who God called him to be. I know you're scared. I know you're facing a big Goliath. But it's not about the size of Goliath. It's about the size of the God who's in you. Gentlemen, have a seat. Thank you for your help this morning. We're not going to sling any stones. I know some of you were wondering. Look at this. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that comes to me and defies the armies of the living God? Now look at verse 32. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And the king, the king who's been begging for someone to show up, says this. You're not able to go. You can't fight him. You're only a young man. And he's been a warrior since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued it from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
Now, I want you to just think for a second. Here's King Saul. He's fought a lot of battles. He's in the middle of a battle right now. This little boy comes up to him and says, Sir, I'll fight your giant, sir. He says, Get out of here. Get out of here. And you know the compelling case that David makes? Sir, I was a shepherd, sir. What? What are you talking to me about shepherds? Nah, David, David notices it's not. It's not about his might. It's not about his strength. What he comes back to is this. He has defied the armies of the living God. We're in verse 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Proverbs 29.25 says, fear of man will be proved will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You don't tell God how big your problems are. You tell your problems how big your God is. You remind them of who you serve. As John said, greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. When you are a believer In Jesus Christ, when you have been buried and you have been washed in the blood, you are given not only the forgiveness of sins at baptism, but you are given the gift of the Spirit who lives within you. It's the same Spirit who lives within you that won the battle that day against Goliath and who won all the battles for those men and women who would let him fight. Remember what David himself would later say in the 23rd Psalm. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God never promised any of his heroes of journey free of valleys. But what he did promise is that through every single valley, he would be there to walk with them. If you've walked with them when you're facing cancer, if you've walked with him when you're facing tragedy, if you've walked with him when death overcomes, if you've walked with him, you know what a comfort it is. I spoke with my dear sister Ruth this past Friday. Lost her beloved Jim. Just one year shy of 70 years. Now, the world will look at that and say, weep, cry. She says, I know where he is. He is not dead. He is more alive than he's ever been. Not even dead. Not even that last enemy of death could have a victory. Could he, Sean? He couldn't. Because greater is he that was in Jim and who is in you. Romans chapter 8. This is how Paul describes it. What then, verse 31, shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? Don't you know, don't you know, that He's going to throw everything at you. 
You say, oh, that's big talk for a preacher. No, listen, I'm telling you. I have been in the valley. When you step into leadership in the church, you are a big target, not of people, but of the enemy. You got to know. You got to know every single time I get up here and I pour the word into you, the enemy's right there to remind me of just who I'm not, of just how incapable I am, of how unworthy I am to be here. Who does that? The enemy. He tries to make us afraid. He tries to paralyze us. And sometimes I just kind of get up and say, not today, devil. Not today. We're not going there. Because we got people to lead. We got people, places to go. This kingdom's got to do something for him. But we can't do it if we're afraid. So don't be afraid. Just remember. Just remember when you walk through the valley, he's promised to walk with you. Fear avoids the battle. Israel, this is 1 Samuel 17. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out of his, from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled in great fear. Most people, when they succumb to fear, they avoid the battle. The Israelites fled. But David, <clears throat> David had a different response. When we're afraid, most of the time we flee. Oh, we not, may not physically run, but we, we flee, we avoid, we ignore, we procrastinate, we withdraw we, because we fear the giant. But sometimes you can't run anymore. There are times when the giant isn't going away, and while he's waiting, he's getting stronger and more defiant, making your fear even worse. But David, he had a different response. He he didn't just see the enemy and think, here he is. He did something different. There's a story of a father teaching his son. He's a little boy. And he's going off to school and he knows sometimes he's going to face bullies. And so he gets down on one knee and he looks his son square in the eye so his son knew he was serious. He said these words. Son, don't ever let me hear that you picked a fight. But son, I don't want you to flee when the fight picks you. God sometimes has to get down on his knee and remind us that sometimes you can try to be peaceful and amicable and nice, but sometimes the fight is coming to you. And in that moment, don't flee, don't back down, because fear avoids the battle. What happened when the fight picked David? He engaged the enemy. Chapter 17. 
Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream and put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. With his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with a shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Am I a dog that you've come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You feel lucky? Do you, punk? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those who gathered here know that it is not, this is so important, it is not by the sword or the spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him. God, I love this. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I love that he didn't just engage Goliath. He didn't just kind of walk up there. I mean... Technically, he'd been walking down into the valley. He just heard him, and he talked him, but as Goliath moved toward David, David just ran. He just ran. He knew. It didn't matter how big Goliath was, or how strong Goliath was, or how much armor he carried, or how much it weighed. What mattered was that God was with him, and when he's with him, we can run toward the battle line. Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He engaged the enemy with enthusiasm. You guys, being strong and courageous doesn't mean you just stand there. It means sometimes you gotta fight. Sometimes you gotta lean into the enemy. Sometimes you got to be ready when the fight picks you. In Exodus, you don't have to turn there, but in Exodus chapter 13, the Israelites, Israelites are up against the Red Sea. And they look at Moses and they say, what now? And there's this beautiful line in Exodus chapter 13 where Moses speaks to them and then God speaks to them. He says very simply... Do not be afraid. This is Moses. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And sometimes in church, we just get this idea that fighting for God just means standing firm. 
Stand firm. But it's more than that. Because listen to what God says in the very next verse. Verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. You see, standing firm in God's power does not mean standing still. It means we run toward the battle. We run to engage the enemy because we're not afraid. We know who's in us. We've got to remember who our enemy is. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. When we understand who is for us and who the real enemy is, that it's not people, it's the powers, the principalities, the rulers of the spiritual forces of evil, then it's easier to take hold of the victory. The verse that was read, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The victory may not be Immediate. It may take some time. But if you're with God, you have nothing to fear. Be courageous, Christian. Be, crazy. Be courageous. Remember Re- Revelation 1.17 as John writes these church, to these churches who are being slaughtered, martyred. Jesus says, do not be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. He's there not just before the battle began. He's not just with you in the battle. He'll be with you at the end. So what do we do? Number one, don't freeze up. I know you're afraid. I know you have every reason to be afraid. But courage acts. Courage moves. Courage runs toward the battle. Do the thing you least want to do and do it quickly. Courage is not the absence of fear. But it's knowing that the fight is more important than the fear of fighting. Number two, you gotta engage with enthusiasm. You gotta run down toward the valley. You gotta meet the enemy and you gotta know that he doesn't win. Now you say, well that's good for David, but what about us? Paul wrote this to Timothy, the young preacher. He said, for the spirit God gave us does not make us afraid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. You have the spirit within you that was the same spirit that was within David. So engage, run, fight the battles and face your fears. And finally, fight the right enemy. And it's not flesh and blood. I know you think it may be sometimes the coworker who annoys you, the person who cuts you off in traffic, the family member that you just can't seem to get along with. But that's not the battle. That's the enemy working through those people, but that's not the real enemy. And so I want to invite you this morning to expect victory. With God, the victory is guaranteed. 1 Corinthians 15 <clears throat> 
He says, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not in Christ Jesus, that pane of glass has been removed and that lion is ready to destroy and attack. And as Jesus said, he will steal, kill and destroy. But if you are with Jesus, he overcomes the lion for David and for us. You have no reason to be afraid if you're with Jesus. But if you are afraid, let us put you in Christ so that you need not be. Or let us encourage you. Let us give you courage this morning. I pray that as you stand this morning, you will come not just to recognize your fears, but to face them. If you're ready to face them and you need our help in doing it, please come as together we stand and sing.